Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Toby. We're the co-founders of Ask Us For Ideas, where we help the world's most ambitious businesses, large or small, new or established, to connect with a collection of the best and most exciting creative agencies from around the world. Being at the intersection of these brands and creative teams for the best part of a decade has allowed us to get to know some truly exceptional people. This podcast, Private Views, aims to shine a light on that. For our client-focused episodes, we've invited longtime friend of Alfie, Max Luthi, into the conversation. He's a founder himself of a soon-to-launch brand called Plink that's set to revolutionize the soft drinks industry. A space to watch for sure, and we're amazingly grateful for his involvement in this episode and future editions. In this episode, we meet Emmett Shine, Chief Creative Officer and Co-Founder of Pattern, a family of simple, stylish homeware brands that hopes to help us find greater joy in our domestic spaces. But his CV runs deeper. He is also the co-founder of era-defining creative agency Gin Lane, which helped him shepherd a generation of digital-ready, millennial-geared brands such as Harry's, Hymns, and Sweetgreens. I think it's one reason why like millennials love, you know, like uh, consumer brands. Because they're, you know, it, it could be um, SoulCycle or ClassPass or CrossFit or Peloton. These are like exercise-based things that almost like replace a collective spiritual experience. With experience on both sides, creative agency and leading D2C brand, he's deeply attuned to how creativity can elevate a business. Max spoke with Emmett about ritual and community, predictions for post-pandemic, and how he's helped brands build evangelized audiences. I, I say the phrase a lot, like, you know, happiness is when expectations are met or exceeded, you know? And so like, mm. I'm always trying to like, set my expectations kind of really low for something that I want to, that I think is important, you know, um, because I think some, so often it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, you watch the Olympics or you watch sports or something and it's kind of like, you know, second place is the first loser. And like, if you don't, you know, yeah. achieve this peak or pinnacle, it's kind of like, you know, it's like a the movie, like gladiator, you know, it's like the thumb goes mm-hmm. down and I'm kind of like, you know, there's so much that you, you have to do and achieve to do anything. I'm kind of like, I like surfing, you know, and if I go surfing, it's a hard sport and it's, you know, sometimes I'm kind of like, okay, well like just get up, get in the car, you know, or, you know, whatever it is where you're getting, I get your surfboard. Then you get to the beach, you know, especially now in New York, it could be cold and you're, and you're just like, ugh, grumbly, grumbly. Well, okay, just put your wetsuit on, you know, okay, just paddle out. Okay, just try to go for a wave. Okay, get just one wave, you know, and then if anything over that is just kind of a bonus, you know, like maybe it's a bad session mm-hmm. or not good, but hey, I still got up really early. I still went in the car. I still put my wetsuit on in the cold. I still, you know, paddled out when it was kind of hard. Um, got a wave, you know, like just kind of lowering the expectation. So I think like worst case style, I'm like, you know, it could be we're going to go into fundraising or we're going to release a new product. It's just kind of like lowering the expectations and just treating everything mm-hmm. as part of the process and the journey to learn from and just depressurizing it. And I think the more you de- depressurize stuff, you can like slow down time a little bit. And when you slow down time, you can see things that like if you're just whizzing by and your heart rate's all fast, 
you know, you, you might miss. And if you're going slow and you're collecting feedback and you're learning and you're listening, again, it's more like you're, you're listening to yourself and you're more internally motivated, you know, versus feeling like the whole room's looking at you. Um, mm -hmm. Then you're just getting like flustered and sweating from the face, stressed out. As a sort of founder who's fundraising and pre-launch, you know, part of that whole process is is setting extremely ambitious kind of five-year goals, right? It's And it's sort of, you know, with a fund at your own disposal, which we can dive into in, in a bit as well, you know, you, you are sort of in, at least in your professional life, um, you know, working in New York City, trying to build brands, raising money, trying to grow brands. You will have people pushing you for really ambitious goals. So I, I think it's really interesting the way you describe setting more almost achievable milestones um, and being able to enjoy the, the sort of the path. Yeah, I think it's kind of a, an inverted hack. I think like Pattern, the brand I helped co-found and, and heading up, I, you know, I'm Jim Lane, like where we, you know, own and operate, build and buy uh, multiple home goods, uh, Shopify-based e-com businesses, it, it is really ambitious and it is really like, a, a, I do think, a, you know, a, per the world we exist in, a kind of pioneering concept in terms of how we're organizationally, hierarchically, fundraising, money, work stream, operating multiple businesses under one cap table, one roof, one operating team, um, and, and the way we're trying to do it is like depressurizing again, any one business from having to be, you know, I don't know, hundred million in revenue, let alone like a unicorn or something. It's just like, Hey, these businesses are just, but just make them profitable when they do five, five, 10 million. Like that's pretty cool. But then you can aggregate that together and, and build, build a scaled significant, but profitable and sustainable to run and operate e-commerce consumer goods business, which is, you know, it, it's harder to do that. There's like this big gap kind of in the U.S. where you could do, you know, a few hundred thousand, a few million in revenue and run it kind of profitably, you know, or you're these really larger businesses doing like, you know, hundreds of millions, you know, that are just really bigger businesses. But it's, it's hard to kind of cross that chasm um, and, and scale and do acquisition and wholesale and manage cash flow and total cost and so i think this is our way of kind of thinking and looking about it and there isn't really as much a playbook for how to do it you know you can't look at a just as much a single category brand and say oh this is how they're doing their marketing or their retention you know or their wholesaling strategy because we have to own and operate multiple brands and think about it from one pot of money in one team in one set of time and then there's some people doing this kind of strategy in the Amazon space, FBA, but it's really different. It's a lot more opportunistic. They're, it's a different type of business model. We're just focused on one category. The, even the brands to buy, the Shopify-based businesses, it's so personal. It's like real mom and pop businesses that they, they feature themselves and the narratives. They often refer to the business as one of their children. And on the Amazon side, it's, it's a little bit more driven by the, the reviews and the value a little bit more um, uh, uh, product uh, uh, like uh, linear or functional in terms of um, it's quite, clin quite clinical. Yeah, and so I, I say all this like to, to, I digress is that like it's super ambitious and we are very ambitious about it, and so that's why I try to depressurize it because there's so obviously inherent pressure on trying to build this early stage 
you know, business and raising venture capital and trying to do a model that's ambitious, you know, so just week by week, day by day, you know, I'm just trying to always say to the team, like, let's just get stuff out. It doesn't have to be perfect. Let's just test this out. Hey, for this fundraising conversation, let's just go speak to these people. Let's put this deck together. It's just more of like a fluid river process or something versus like, I love it. Just let it flow, you know, and I think I think that the devil's in the details is just an ability with startups every day to just operate competently is to not lose your cool is to stay calm under pressure is to just I always say like I always just say keep the lights on don't drown you know like if I'm more extreme I'm like yeah. don't die like it's a video game because statistically it's really hard to start a business and stay in business let alone, I'm like survive, then thrive, just survive. Just like, you don't have to come out and survive be superstars and, and get all the press or raise all the money or whatever. Just just slow and steady wins the freaking race. Something I wanted to talk to you about as well is, you know, there's sort of, um, obviously as a former trend guy, I see the world in buzzwords and obviously that the com- everybody talks about community and building communities right now. And there are genuinely incredibly exciting things happening in the space of, you know, Web 3.0 and a decentralized internet and, and DAOs. And um, one of the things I wonder is like, do you feel those new uh, online communities and, you know, I believe you're a member of some, right, that they they can deliver the kind of richness of what we might call like our great grandparents community? You know, I think everything is ever changing, ever different or something. And I think part of the notion per our industries on what like a community is, it's like, it's like a supplement because of a loss. Right. So it's like, um, it's like, uh, there's this book called the three pillars and it's about state market and community and how, you know, with kind of like, again, the changes in the world since a lot of like the early 70s, um, there's been a, 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 an increased dominance of market, um, a, an increased lack of trust or authority or understanding with state in the absolute depletion of community. And I think it's one reason why like millennials love, you know, like uh, consumer brands because they're, you know, it, it could be um, SoulCycle or ClassPass or CrossFit or Peloton. These are like exercise based things that almost like replace a collective spiritual experience that used to be going to, you know, church. And it's why you know, Glossier or or other brands, I think they they represent something to to buy into beyond just, you know, um, a a boy brow or or makeup or, you know, lip balm. Um, And so I think in some ways, like, that's great and cool. Um, And I think some of these, you know, really great entrepreneurs that have not only just like these personalities that are magnetic and representative um, per specific groups of people looking to find, you know, that representation or affinity, they they also create and and embrace people wanting and seeking a little bit more um, than just a purchase, you know? So, but I, I do think that's a supplement to it being lost from more of a collective safety net from um, or a guarantee from the state in terms of like what the government does and offers up 
And then just the way that transientness has kind of worked and everyone moving to big cities, you know, and there is a little bit of a lack of that, you know, tribal social fabric of, of small towns. I think COVID style, people kind of moving back a little bit, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how that reshuffles. But another COVID thing, not in person, you know, is um, I think the increased, you know, rise of like online community, online companionship, online collectives. And I think the notion for Web3, as they kind of call it, you know, the first Web 1.0 is like really set in the rails and it's kind of like this idealistic, like positive libertarian views, you know, that the web should be open and it's all blue hyperlinks, you know, it's like there's the aesthetic and also the the ideals and web two is kind of really this the rise of like social networks and social platforms and also the like kind of corporate commercialization of the internet and like the walled gardens and you know, the, the fang um, that businesses that kind of emerge. And I think Web3 is a little bit of like taking the lessons of Web2, but hearkening back to some of the idealistic directness and openness of Web1. And, and I think another way of looking at it is it's just like, it's more direct. And so I think in simple terms, like, you know, you can transfer and own and exchange uh, values and ideas and information a bit more direct, more like, distributed and decentralized, um, but direct in terms of like the people as nodes. So it doesn't, the, the information isn't as much all funneled through um, a platform or a network, you know. So for example, if you like a musician or an artist or a financial, you know, vehicle for some sort of exchange, you can deal directly um, with them. And you also can form, you know, collectives and tokenize it, you know, which can be a social currency or you can set up an organization in a bit more of an efficient way to manage itself, which is a DAO. So I think these are just new internet infrastructural rails, but there is notions around like, you know, community um, and individual individuality, which I don't think are like pie in the sky going to change everything, but I think they're just no. ev evolutions, which are cool um, on, on that, which exists today, which is like, the faults of Facebook, the faults of Apple, the faults of Google. It's it's nice to break that out a little bit. Yeah, it's it's it, well, it's really interesting. So it's just, you know it's such an exciting space. There's so much creativity. There's so many unique business models and you know rules of governance and currencies and communities being born. It's just like it's unbelievable. Um, I sort of picture that GIF of a of a, like a unicorn vomiting rainbows in terms of like how much is happening in this space right now. One of the things that is like a turn off for me as someone who's really interested in the long term potential is one of the things that makes it so exciting. And it's sort of the tokenization and incentivizing people. Like if you hype your community, you kind of up the value of the currency that you hold. And so there I, it seems very hard to. I don't know. Are you do you, are you part, you know, part of any healthy communities where it doesn't feel like you know, let's, uh, let's raise the floor. Let's raise the floor. And then, like, yeah. I'm and part of one call. called friends with benefits. It's, uh, fwb.help online. And, um, you, you know, the main founder, Trevor McFedries and the folks that run it, um, it is kind of like a non Dow Dow. Um, I think they do a fantastic job and, you know, in a weird way, again, it's kind of almost like this inversion of focus makes things do better laws of attraction. They've been so, focused on community, focused on product, focused on experience. And it's a lot of the people that work and or 
you know, are active on Foundation, um, Zora, Mirror, um, you know, a lot of the musicians and artists and creatives that are, you know, um, funding or tokenizing a, a book or an album mm -hmm. or a piece of art um, on these platforms are, are on there. And, the, you know, and weirdly, the value of it, ha it has skyrocketed this year, but in a way that no one was really trying to, you know, uh, be try hard or be, you know, pumping back, you know, Discord server channels. I think they're, the, the value is related to the value. Real. It's related to the value, you know, and I think that's a really hard thing to do. Um, I'm not trying to get too like insidery wonky. And I'm also, again, you know, worst case and depressurize and under promise. Like, I don't think, you know, crypt cryptocurrency, crypto assets, you know, Web3, social currency, token tokenomics. It, I don't think any of this stuff is like burning man changes the world or whatever. But I do think it's mm -hmm. fascinating. And I think people should pay attention for, again, a, a worst case reason is the, the continued fear of obsolescence working within a technology, technology centric or technology adjacent field or line of work. If you don't pay attention to, you know, how do you just what is proper email etiquette? How do you use, you know, your phone to navigate forms of communication? Do you use you know, Microsoft, you know, Outlook or Teams, or do you use Slack? You know, how, how do you freaking sign a PDF? They're just very basic fundamental things that it's like we can laugh at our parents sometimes for not seemingly knowing how to do, but the half-life of generationally, how fast technology changes the default ways of interacting with an industry, it gets shorter and shorter. And so I look at like notions of crypto and blockchain, decentralized finance, social currency stuff, like for me, it's part of my job of staying abreast of and staying aware of and understanding in the next two, three, five, ten years how that affects the, the larger community at large, the larger landscape at large, even if my core day-to-day -day job for Pattern is just being part of a team that's helping people you know, be a little bit more present at their home through cleaning products, home organization products, cooking products, you know, stuff for the home. It's just understanding the larger tectonic plates shifting below your feet. I think for me, I find really important because I never want to be caught flat-footed. I never want to be caught, you know, just taking for granted the, the way that the world works around you. Um, that's why I think crypto and Web3 stuff is, is important because it is, I think, a progression and a progressive new direction I think a lot of people will be left out. I think it's information and access inequality will be the problems with it. Um, but I do think if you have an understanding of it, spend time looking and, and exploring because I think it'll be really important for the next, you know, this next cycle of kind of the life around us. So at least the next 10 years. Yeah, ab absolutely. And, I, you know, I think it's interesting. You mentioned you know, kind of keeping an eye on it as part of your job. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I think one of the things that's interesting that ties a little bit back to what we discussed earlier in terms of burnout is, you know, um, if you're a member of a Discord or say three Discord servers uh, for communities, plus your company Slack, plus a Slack for each of your brands, you know, um, it's it must be quite challenging for you to process all that information. Um, I'd love to know, how you're able to do that. And, and I think even with regards to the portfolio of brands to focus on, on pattern and, 
the companies you've built and the companies you've acquired. Uh, on a related note, I get ang- anxiety as a parent, right? That if I'm kind of playing video games with one kid, I, I should be reading with the other kid. Or if I've kicked, a, I have three children, right? And I feel very split. So how do you feel like you're able to divide up your time between the sort of external communities and then the, you know, more relevantly, perhaps the brands that you that are part of the pattern family? Yeah, I mean, I think life is about like selective curation. I think like there's, you know, <laughs> you do too much drugs or something and like disassociatively, it's like overwhelming and you see colors and sounds and whether they're real or not there's just a lot of information around us, you know, and we curate and filter selectively what, you know, the, the cones and rods in our eyes take in, you know, you, all, all the sounds, all the smells, all the colors, there's just so much information. And part of evolution is like what to focus on, right? There's, there's just like a lot of things kind of going on any, any moment. I think that's, that's true again for this heightened speed that technology kind of you know, has thrust on us societally is that the world moves around us a lot faster, maybe than if you're kind of more walking through a field or within nature, that slows down speed, you know, and it's not necessarily that one is right or wrong or better or not. It's just understanding the speeds of, you know, again, the metaphor, extending it, the game that you're playing within. And so whether it's a discord server or, you know, multiple brands under one roof, or multiple kids under one roof, we've all got the same amount of time in the, 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 in the non-space time version of it where it's like warped by like speed, but like there's 24 hours in a day and you can only do so much and you know, you gotta get your sleep, the, the fun mysteries of sleep that we don't totally understand, but they're important, you know, and you need to get as much as you can get and then you've got your time and you've gotta have a job and you know, you gotta, provide for your family and make some income and Maslow's hierarchy needs to survive. And then you gotta, you gotta spend time on yourself or else you, you go crazy. We need time with loved ones. We need touch. We need community. We need a sense of belonging. And that, that requires to get, to get requires to give, you know, and I think still the more fruitful, valuable relationships are ones that are as much in person and are, you know, close but I don't think that means that like having friends online or communities online is bad. I think it's just a new connection and a new form. And so I think you have to just curate what you take in. And one thing I've been really trying to work on, I think I'm relatively, you know, like a nice person, but I've been thinking more recently about like the difference between someone sent me a tweet of like a a kind person and a nice person and a kind person you know, is giving, but also has and sets boundaries. And a nice person um, doesn't as much and is, you know, very giving, but um, is almost more externally looking to please and be liked. And, you know, I think it's an interesting distinction of... Shit, what um, is, what's, the, what's the meme for that? I feel called out. <laughs> well, I think, I think a lot of us do. And so I think part of that is like, I've been actively thinking about setting boundaries up, you know, for myself and, and my life more and saying more, you know, hey, that's that's okay. That's not okay. Hey, this is what I need. This is what I don't want. And sometimes you feel like you don't have the permission to do that. And so I think it's also giving yourself that permission and giving yourself boundaries for what you need and what you don't want. You've got, you know, kids that you've got to spend time on and, and focus on and with just them in general. And then there's some that, okay, I got to spend time with, you know, child number one or child number two. 
I think we, we internally know what we need to do. It's just giving ourselves the space to focus on that it, it is a really hard thing when life feels like it's moving around us really fast. And I'll just say one last tie-in is that like, that's kind of the notion of why we started Pattern. You know, it was like, it, the, the phrase is enjoy daily life. And it was like, it really for us combating burnout was just this, this, this in the narrative, it's like, don't think about work, don't think about Slack or your, your social avatar, digital second life representation online for a little bit. Come home, wash the dishes, play with your kids, make a dinner, put a TV show, read a book, sit in your favorite chair, have good feng shui energy in the house. Like this should be your energy pad. This should be your energizing station. You don't need to be thinking about what, you know, the email was that came in at seven o'clock or the presentation tomorrow at 9 a.m. Like you have to not stay totally dialed in and totally connected. And that's, that's a boundary to set. That's a curated decision of what information you're filtering in and filtering out. And if we don't do that, then, then time moves too fast and you're constantly in a state of stress and anxiety, which leads to burnout. And that's not a life that necessarily is the most rewarding for anyone at an individual level. And so really fascinating. I, I, you know, as it relates to pattern and your, and your brands, you know, currently focusing on home goods, right. And, and maybe indefinitely, right. But they're, they're sort of physical objects you keep in the home, whether it's a, a birthday cake, sprinkles, spatula, which I love, or, you know, the, the, I also love the base on the equal parts fry pan. It looks so gorgeous. But, uh, you know, these are objects that kind of bring the person joy in their home, uh, very much physical objects. Do you have an interest in um, content or services or, you know, skills that fall within, fall under, you know, within those four walls and under the roof of a home? Or do you, is it very much that kind of, you're, a, you're focused on physical products that that fit in the home and help you kind of have those centered focused sort of me moments in your own home yeah i think it oscillates you know i think part of a startup is you know it's like uh you're very calm it's like strong beliefs weekly held that phrase it's like you got to go into everything like pretty confident but be able to like pivot and change kind of as you go i think you know uh, we've always toyed with like um is it is it um you know um like um well-made, uh, high-quality, responsibly sourced, you know, um, good design products with also like helpful and guiding kind of content. And I think that's what we do try to do. But I would say if we had to like streamline it down, it's just making really good products that people want and, and, and explaining and articulating, you know, what they do, why they're good, listening to the audience. It's just like a full-time job of making like physical items you know, that, that makes sense that are, that are priced, uh, you know, well for you as a business that are priced well for the market that are durable, that are high quality, that last it's, it's really hard and it's a lot of work to do. I I think that's what people are, are paying for. And that's where you have to really focus on the value. If we had like a membership based subscription model or something where you get package deals and it's hardware as a service or it's blended in, you know, it's like, I think Peloton stuff is kind of, you know, interesting in that regard where it's like hardware you buy and then software that you pay for. Um, maybe then we would have way more of a, a business oriented focus on what's, what's our content strategy um, and our communication strategy. But I think we look at that as 
value additive. Um, and so, you know, if you want to follow us and be a part of our community for free, you know, there's a lot that we try offering through um, our social, through our email and SMS programs. And if you do purchase with us, like we try to really make sure it's a generous, human, thoughtful customer experience process. And I think next year we'll probably roll out more around, you know, loyalty and giving benefits of continuing to purchase home goods from multiple of our brands within our ecosystem. But that stuff takes time. And I think what like is, you know, this notion of time is fun for trying to build a business or do this type of stuff is that you kind of got to hurry up sometimes, which is like startup life. You have to take steps back and look at it over the course of multiple years. You can't try to, you know, build Rome in a day or boil the whole ocean at once, yeah. you know, it's it, it, pattern from the beginning was a 10 year ambition and we're in year two and a half. So, you know, there's a lot yeah. of, uh, there's a lot of stuff to keep working towards. And again, if we can What's, keep the lights on and, 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 and not drowned, you know, then I think it'll be really fun and rewarding to keep adding and offering new parts of the overall experience. Super interesting. And I sort of wonder back to almost the kind of Web3, uh, you mentioned community. Can you make just a, a great product and, or would you, would you be interested in a founder who had just an excellent product, but hadn't built like a, a community around it? You know, like it wasn't an explicit part of their strategy. It was literally just like, it's the best knife block ever made you know uh, or do you do you at pattern look for people who have that content they have that kind of two-way conversation going with their loyal for like a brand customers. that we would look to bring on to the the pattern exactly. platform and family i think i think it's product first you know it's it's like product and business fundamentals first is this like a really really solid unique differentiated product within a category um, that is, you know, that has a low return rate, has high, you know, customer ratings. It is seen as good quality. It's durable. It, it's understood in terms of the, the value in the market. I think the first two brands we brought on gear, you know, their kitchenware is, is really well regarded, very well reviewed, very well respected. They have, you know, um, a really great track record in the space. And I think Letterfolk, the second brand, especially for, their letter boards and then their their entryway entryway tile mats. You know, the, I think the kind of cult community stuff follows the great product, right? It's like if you focus on like looking for great products, um, I think you find an evangelized audience that comes with it. As long as you're appreciative, respectful, and cognizant of them, I think you know they they, they appreciate getting really good quality products that hit some certain needs that they, they have. I think the other thing is that, you know, we're, we're looking for fundamentally sound businesses. You know, they're, they're profitably run, sustainably operated, um, you know, small to mid-sized e-commerce businesses. That's part of our, our business model. So if it's something that is, you know, losing money or not break even, it, it just doesn't necessarily fit in for the model we're trying to create, which is this collective of brands that are, overall at a portfolio level to allow us to build, you know, a, a, a profitable, sustainable business, which I think is just a, a, a good narrative, you know, that in yeah. our space to focus on versus treating consumer items like uh, their, their software services that can get a network effect. It's, it's not 
atomically the DNA per what these categories and products really are. It, yeah, it certainly sounds like you're focused on the on the fundamentals of the of the product itself, and then the kind of the unit economics and just the business Exa- exactly, model. Exactly, exactly. And you know, so you found uh, with these businesses, for example, and any future businesses that might become part of the pattern family, what is it that you hope that you, Emmett, you know, can kind of pass on to those founders and, you know, the people who work for them and those those teams? Is it, you know, do you, is there a sort of, maybe that's too paternal, but is there or something at an organizational level that you believe they will truly benefit from? Yeah, so I think the first two brands we've brought on and most of the conversations we've had with other ones we're speaking to, the the founders are staying on in like advisor capacities, but it's like life moments, whether they're having children or they have a new venture they're looking to do. It, they're, they're not necessarily looking to stay on um, in a full-time 80-hour-a-week grinding it out operating capacity. We can, you know, pay them um, good, fair market value for the blood, sweat, and tears they put in to build this business. And I think importantly, they feel in uh, their product, their brand, and their community are in good hands. You know, they know us from our years of working in the space, doing Gin Lane to what we stand for, our values and our mission at Pattern. And they see it kind of as like a graduation, you know, a, a validation for their their brand, their product, their community, their business that we want to, you know, purchase them and uphold their values and their legacy. So in in those founders, I think in, in the transaction, you know, a lot of it is that like, hey, you know, I pledge allegiance to <laughs> to really be respectful of your brand and your community. And so I think that's why, um, you know, they're they're down to to sell their their baby in the professional sense, their business, you know, to us because they see that we're earnest and we're going to do our 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 darndest to. Um, make them proud and make their community proud for years to come. Love it. Um, and perhaps the last thing um, just to discuss here to, to sort of wrap up today is uh, what your relationship with, if you, if you permit me to step outside of the home, your relationship with, with nature, um, I, you know, looking into the history of pattern and, and how I saw, um, somewhere you were saying you, you know you, you had your mother who's a painter um create these quite natural landscapes right that were part of your early aesthetic you know is is nature a big part of of your life and and how you balance work and what you hope to achieve yeah for sure i mean i grew up on the east end of long island you know like uh in and at and around the ocean and kind of trees and fields and you know, I, I I think all all of us need need some connection with uh, nature. It's why like all of our screensavers are like uh, you know like beautiful photos or or uh, videos of of the natural world. Often, I think it even that just makes you feel kind of better. And I think I don't know. I love like getting out. We a lot of us live in cities. You know, cities are great for um, where jobs are, where other people are. There's ideas, stimulation. Um, you know, creativity, spontaneity, access. Um, but I, I think it's also important, you know, whether it's finding a park in, in, in your neighborhood or getting outside of the city for a day or a weekend, or if you're not in the city, it's getting outside of your house. 
you know, just breathe, breathing in clean air or going for uh, doing your little version of like forest bathing or, you know, uh, getting in the ocean or, you know, being around other living creatures. Um, I, I think it's, it's like a chicken soup for the soul, you know, like I think it's Im- Im- important. It's part of like a, a balanced, you know, d- daily diet is uh, getting outside of our little apartments and homes each day. That was Max Luthi speaking to Emmett Shine, Chief Creative Officer and Co-Founder of Pattern. A big thank you from myself, Nick and Toby for listening. Thank you also to Emmett, to David Michon for producing, to Sean Crook for editing this episode, and to George Grinling for the theme music. To find other episodes, search for Private Views wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more about Alfie, please visit our website, aufi.com. We're also on social media channels using the handle Ask Us for Ideas. And finally, please do share and rate this episode and subscribe to Private Views so you'll be the first to know when new episodes drop. Until next time.